also a new office finally put together looks good looks legit thanks it's meant to be classy it's meant to reflect the things that i am not (laughs) (laughs) we don't have any artwork up though so like there's nothing on the walls and i I don't know if we're gonna be able to hear the echo in the podcast so but Uh, it looks it looks it, it feels nice it feels good to be actually in here and actually able to do things so i i got the the new uplift desk so now when i stand up i can uh, stand up and work and i didn't think i was going to use it as much as i do but now i stand up like all the time and work (laughs) i I even got one of those little foot mats to stand on Mm -hmm. to do it and they have like the edges of them have like these little arch things so you can put your arches your feet on it and stretch your arches you're gonna live longer now it's awesome well i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) hopefully um but um, on another note, uh, we're meeting up. I get to see you tonight. Tonight? Uh, yeah. Isn't wait? Isn't tonight when I'm coming up? That was tomorrow night. Oh well, that's even perfect. I can come up tomorrow. <laughs> but I thought we were doing things. What's when's the business meeting on Saturday? Tomorrow. Well, so it's it's tomorrow night, and you stay because then we're meeting on Sunday too. Oh well, this makes it even easier. Then I don't have to leave tonight. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, good. <laughs> I don't want to leave tonight. <laughs> okay, cool. No, uh, I don't know how to transition to this. So, uh, welcome to our. What, <laughs> that's what like, we got. Yeah, that's what we got. We're both, I I'm, it's probably like I'm so low energy right now. I my week sucked, so I'm like I'm dead here. I'm trying to I'm trying to give something, but I got I got very little to be hyped about. So like I gotta. I don't know. I got to get it in my head. Like, let's go. Here we go. We're talking. <laughs> We're going to get people excited about stuff. But you know, I, I, like if, if my life is a, a phone, my my battery is at like 15 percent right now. Yeah, so. my, I'm I mean, <clears throat> I think I'm like at 20 percent, but it's charging. And just now that I actually have a place to actually come in and, and work. I can I can have my little battery charger and that's fine. But also I'm just in the middle of switching gears because my whole mind like this entire week was like I'm leaving Friday night. And then so like everything's been like a mad rush to get things done around the house and like prepare everything. And so now I'm like, oh, it's better than I thought. <laughs> you got more time. Bigger window. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyways, uh, welcome back to our podcast, Everbros. I forgot the name of it for a second. But uh, welcome-, <laughs> welcome back to the Everbros podcast. I believe this is episode 19. Uh, watch me be no it's not it's 20 oh, it's 20 i was about to agree with you wholeheartedly like yep, yeah here we are <laughs> so uh we planned that episode 20 is going to be saying no to both prospective clients and current clients so at some point you're going to come in your business where you have to be able to say no to certain things and really focus in on the services that you offer and then what the scope of each of those services is. You're always going to have clients that push back on you and ask you to do more work than what you've agreed to do. And most agencies kind of find themselves into a trap where they start saying yes to clients, especially their big ones, just to keep that money coming in. And what it ultimately does is just puts you in a hole and it just traps you for eternity unless you break the cycle. And if you say yes too long in a toxic relationship, eventually that that relationship is going to end and it's not going to be very nice. It's going to be a pretty a pretty rocky relationship. And then, you know, someone's going to get burnt at the end. So uh, we wanted to make this episode all about teaching you to have the power to say no and that it can actually be a good thing to say no in terms of what how people view you in your business. But Although probably the first thing uh, to point out is that if you are new and early on that you don't get the luxury yet of saying no. 
<laughs> yeah, you've uh, got to you've got to build your portfolio kind of uh, a little bit. You can't just you can't just say no, like because <laughs> that's going to get you nothing. You got to say yes to the opportunities to learn. If you have, especially if you have nothing yet, and you're like, well, I got to make sure my first opportunity is the right one. It's like, no, you just need an opportunity. You, you need you need something to even begin going off of and to start with before you can get to that point where you can say no. I think I think that continues on uh, as you grow a team and then you start to think about them and you think you have to balance the <clears throat> well, people got to get paid. They got to make money. People need to make a living, but their jobs can't be abusive. <laughs> they can't uh, they can't hate their lives. So there's the there's a delicate balance once you get later on and it's more than just you to what work do I say yes to because we need the money and people need to make a living and how much can they take before they're so unhappy they don't want to deal with their cope um, but that is again a later issue and if it's just you early on um, you're volunteering to get <clears throat> beat up uh, emotionally because <laughs> uh, that's part of the trials and tribulations of doing this and it's a learning experience too like when you're able to say yes or to, to when you're able to say yes at the very beginning and actually learn things and um you know put the extra work in to be able to learn that stuff to to be able to say no here's why but also when you start adding employees into the mix uh, they're not going to be comfortable saying no to anything a client says so Yep. If you breathe this culture of yes, and your employees or your partners see that, then you're you're basically going to be putting them in a hole too, and put the, putting them in an unhappy work environment. So, like the agency that Cody and I used to work at together, it was a very yes environment. Yes, we'll figure it out. The client wants to do something new, and like I think um, Snapchat was new back. Oh God, <laughs> we're aging <laughs> ourselves. So Snapchat was new back then, and um advertisers wanted to run snapchat ads and we're just like yeah we'll figure it out but nobody in the department knew anything about snapchat so um here we were just figuring things out and it you know a lot of times it didn't end up well so uh but cody there was a situation where recently we did the same thing like someone asked us to do it and we're like we're i mean we're not prepared to run ads in that i can't remember what it was um it might have been next door i think that was it yeah uh because we yeah, there's kind of multiple reasons. One is so we want to get set up with an agency there and then be able to position ourselves to run multiple accounts um, as would be ideal for somebody like us as opposed to just like an individual advertiser. But also we know we want to dedicate the time to to figure it out and to do it well. Um, I offended somebody once. At, <laughs> what? You? At, no way. <laughs> uh, at previous agency because I said... Uh, <laughs> This this will be like outing myself a little bit too, but I don't really care because because this is my opinion on it. I said I'd like to learn. I think I just phrased it like this: how to run Facebook ads. And what I got back is, well, I know how to run Facebook ads, and I can teach you. And my response was, I didn't say it quite like this, but it was basically, oh yeah, no, I know the very basic fundamental logistics just as well as you is how to create a campaign and run shit. But <laughs> I mean to make things convert at a crazy high return on investment and be extremely profitable. That's what I mean when I say how to run Facebook ads. So when we start exploring like new advertising tactics and things like that too, that's the mindset I'm going in with. It's not how to do lo the logistics of it. Cause like, yeah, no shit. It's not hard to just go and figure it out yourself, how to do the very basic minimum and then go pitch it as a service that you can offer because you can do that. Anybody can do it. It's not hard, but to, to come in and say, no, I know how to do this better than everybody else. 
how to make it convert better. Maybe not literally everybody else to be in the top 20%, the top 10% um, where it's financially viable. Um, and anyway, what I said back was uh, uh, understandably offensive because <laughs> this is why what, this is like it goes it really goes back to like our third episode which is focuses on the services that work or maybe mm-hmm. that's the third episode i don't know but that's why we we focus on google seo and um search ads because you can't really teach us anything that isn't already known out there um and that, that i mean it's a little it's a little bit of ego but it's also a little bit of yeah it's confidence like we know exactly how to run uh solid seo campaigns and solid uh ppc campaigns and it you know we're confident no one's going to beat us and if you do great teach us but Mm -hmm. you know we're just we're that confident in it we're even even like facebook we have a service for facebook ads but uh even then the process isn't as ironed out as our standard seo in google ads but there are certain platforms we just don't have any experience running in like Nextdoor, which is relevant for our niche which is landscaping and lawn care but uh, we've even get, been put in uh, contact with agency reps at Nextdoor. so apparently as it sits today Nextdoor has a platform only for agencies which is super weird like agencies and like franchises. Uh, so like McDonald's has access to this type of targeting that Nextdoor has. And then like agencies like us have access, but like local businesses don't. But yeah, it's weird. Like some some businesses don't have access to it. So like landscaping and lawn care businesses and local businesses don't have access to this platform or this, this type of targeting. So in Nextdoor... You can uh, a local business can say like, hey, here's here's where my pin is. I can advertise in this neighborhood or, you know, X amount of mile radius out there. And it's more of just an impression based campaign rather than an actual targeted interest click campaign. But for some reason, agencies and franchises have access to a targeting tool very similar to Facebook Business Manager or Ads Manager where you can target like interest, uh, certain demographics. You can target anywhere in the U.S. for any business. So if we had a client in Texas, we can run ads in Maryland for whatever reason. But the actual like small businesses don't have access to that. And, and that could be different by the time this airs, but that's just how it is. So we there's a really good opportunity to run ads for local businesses through Nextdoor, but we haven't had time or resources to dedicate really learning the Nextdoor platform to offer it as a service. We can, but we're not going to, um, at least right now. We we have to feel confident in being able to actually execute a, a managed service with this. And and we you know we had a client that said uh, that asked us to do this, and we told them straight up. We just said no. Here's why. And I think they really appreciated that. So I mean, they're still with us, but uh, you know, once we do fair. start, go ahead. It wasn't a straight up no. It, well, it was. It was <laughs> a no. Wait, wait, wait not yet <laughs> no we will let you know when, yeah when we and, get to- you know and yeah and we're gonna slap that guinea pig label on you too so like just know that when we do run this it's you know you're probably not going to be you're paying the full managed service cost it is paying for aspen for sure but you will be a guinea pig you're probably not going to see amazing results just don't fault us for that and uh that's really how we just go in and pitch some of these newer services where we say no for a while and then we we bring people on but saying and that's Part of why our retention kicks ass is because you have you have other agencies who don't they don't have that transparency they don't have that honesty they say yes we can do it they do that just like uh like i was talking about with people who think that they can run facebook ads they run facebook ads with very little knowledge about how to make facebook ads actually convert at a good rate and then they're like what did i get for this and it's not enough for what they paid for it <laughs> i need to run some reporting on our retention rates because it always gets it's it gets thrown off because we onboard so many new people that like 
they're only on for like a month and that drives our like average retention rates down i feel like i have to do some math wizardry with like standard deviation or something or i should only factor in people who haven't left Nah, that doesn't make any sense i don't know how to do this i need someone smart <laughs> to teach me how to do this without factoring in people who just joined a month ago or I two think, months ago yeah. or three months ago i think about that sometimes when i think about uh especially because i'm surrounded by college kids now who don't know how life works yet and then i'm talking about things that i have confidence in which uh is really just what i've niched down my skills and i feel confident in doing and then knowing very well the things that i'm not good at and knowing that those things are worth an insane amount of money in the right places and i'm i'm the same but there's just an insane amount of stuff I don't know. And I have no clue. And I'll just, when I get to the point, hope to, you know, we'll get somebody who does because <laughs> none of us will live long enough to learn everything that we want to. Yeah. I, I And I always find out that, um, I guess it's kind of a sidebar, but I always find out that people who pretend like they know a lot of stuff uh, in certain platforms, like if you are pitching a service and a client asks about another service and you say, yeah, I can offer that just because you're trying to say yes. And you come off as the expert in that, in that platform or service. And even though you're not, it's going to show. And it, I mean, it might not be you know, the client might not think that you don't know that information. They just think you suck. And that's what I that's what I see a lot in this industry. It's it's just like, yeah, my uh, my old adver advertising agency ran our Google ads for us and I'm just not getting the results that, you know, they promised or that they said they could get. And then we go in their ads account and it just looks awful. And we're like, <laughs> these people didn't know what they were doing. It's like very obvious to yeah. see from from our perspective. Yeah, I think I think something that people I never see this explained well anywhere, but I think it's very important to think about it, consider, and that's I think about it now, especially lately, because uh, <clears throat> well, multiple reasons. One, I just looked at uh, my stocks today and it was depressing because <laughs> everything is tanking. <laughs> everything is tanking. Dude, I haven't looked um, at mine in forever don't just don't don't look you don't want to <laughs> but so then i read the other thing in stack marketer the other day about how people were uh for outreach tactics ad spend is getting tighter but search is the safe haven <clears throat> for so many people and places because it has it's usually a very cost effective place to go so there's two factors you need to consider when you're thinking about like the services you offer and and how cost effective more and really one of the easiest ways to look at this is go look at salaries that people who do these different jobs make and you'll see which ones matter the most and which are the most effective usually so like search marketing is super cost effective most of the time there are exceptions i would say like lawyers are especially one where they've become so competitive and saturated where it's become very difficult uh, for especially smaller lawyers to do it in a cost effective way but so deeper in the funnel you go usually theoretically the lower cost per acquisition you can get now, when a platform gets too competitive and expensive, then it can get to a point where <clears throat> it's no longer fiscally viable. I'd say that lots of businesses have hit that point with Google now at this point. Um, and I'd, I'd say probably e-commerce, especially <clears throat> not all of them, but if you're running tight margins. So when you, you run into that situation where, OK, well, the deeper things in the funnel aren't working because I can't make them cost effective, then you have to start going up. Now, usually when you go up the funnel, it's harder to convert people, but the reason, or as a consequence, uh, it's cheaper. Like what you're paying to get for traffic is cheaper because they know it doesn't convert quite as well. So the next step then is, <clears throat> well, if you are in those places and it's competitive still, 
So even if it is cheaper, but it's still too competitive that you can't get those things. Next one is, okay, well, what are emerging platforms? Where are the new people coming from? What about TikTok? What's the next TikTok? Um, and usually by the time everybody knows what those things are, it's too late. <laughs> but if you can go find those and offer those as services too, um, in a cost-effective way, then that's a place that you can really um, I don't know, find a place to shine, I guess you could say. But it's kind yeah. of a tangent, tangent yeah. but uh, it's, it's, I never see people talk about it. And I, I think people need to understand because I see so many stupid things said about marketing where people are like, marketing is an investment for the future. I'm like, marketing should pay for itself. Like, yes. Yeah. You got to have some perspective with that, but it also should be cost effective. Like if it's, if it's a net negative thing, then yeah, that's called education. So we, we have a, we have a, a client at our, at my day job that says, um, we're like, yeah, we, I mean, we run Facebook ads ourselves and we just need help with them. But you know, we have, I guess what we call branding ads on Facebook. And I was looking at them and they're like, they're definitely like engagement based ads, like like click here for this. And I'm just like, is referring to poor performing ads as branding an excuse? For... <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. And so now, now I'm thinking like that's like what their investment is. Is it's like um it, it's almost like other agencies use, hey, marketing is an investment to get three more months out of their client before they leave. And mm. and and, uh, <laughs> and I think um, that's when you should have said no to a service you suck at. <laughs> I would yeah. rather because this goes this really goes into I can't remember which episode we were we were on when we were talking about this, but I think it was the 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 value adding one or maybe it was the same focus on the services that work, because if you Let's say you have two services. Your your client pays for two services right off the bat. One of them you're really good at, and then the other one you're not very good at. Uh, what's going to be very reflective is the one that you're not very good at. Because if you're not very good at that, they could make the assumption that you're not very good at the other one too, which is a really good medium to be on. So they're more likely just to leave you and go with somebody else and have them run that as well. So I would rather have our client on two services that we're really good at and not want to leave um then you know making us look bad in general and saying you know we suck all around but the other thing comes is if you you pitch a, a service that you are specifically good at but your client wants something else and you say oh yeah we can do that too and then you get them on that and then it sucks well they're not going to come to you for anything else because the one service that you sold them sucked so mm -hmm. that's when you got to say no uh we've i've had this a lot people always come to me for facebook ads only and i you know our facebook ads aren't the best they're not definitely not comparable to our google ads uh mm -hmm. But the way we have it fleshed out, they still perform. We just want people to be on Google ads first. So if somebody comes to me for Facebook ads, I'd say no, like this isn't what we're going to do. And I tell them why. I usually say, hey, I know you want Facebook ads, but we at our agency focus on ROI. And so we focus on a lower portion of the funnel first to get people to actually contact you and get leads. We raise our budget with that, um, you know, as we go on to we till we get to that top threshold of where we say, okay, now it's time to diversify platforms. And just sidebar, we do that internally using impression share. As soon as we get to a certain impression share threshold, then we consult with our client and say, okay, now it's time to move to like Facebook or move to um, what? What's the what are the other ones? Uh, Google Discovery or yep. um or youtube ads or things like that before mm -hmm. going on to social so we say hey i know you want social but we shouldn't start there if leads is what you really want if leads is what you really want we should focus on search engine and then uh, nine times out of ten that switches their perspective from wanting social media services to wanting our google ad services because at the end of the day 
they don't want social media services or ad services. They just want more leads. So how yeah. are you going to provide that? And saying no can also be an opportunity for consultation. Yeah, there's there's lots of times where we tell people no when it relates to ad spend uh, just because they're not well informed on what they think <laughs> is realistic or, or can be accomplished. Because I think a lot of times we have this talk about people think growth will be linear. Like I'll put X in and then it will scale proportionally. It's like, well, unfortunately, Google doesn't quite work that way. If you put more in, it's going to be more expensive because it is an auction. So that's another thing. But uh, another note that I had was more emotional and, and why people should say no, which is just why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing, why are you an entrepreneur? Why are you running your own business? Because I think if it's because you're unemployable, you, you would consider yourself in that category, then you don't have as much of a luxury of saying no, you have even less of a luxury of saying no, because you're, you're putting yourself in that place. And some, I have mixed feelings on some of those people who feel that way, because I think sometimes they use it as a crutch or an excuse to say that they don't play well with others just because they're not emotionally developed. So they, they <laughs> yeah, they, but it, okay. So that's one group. But the second is if you hate your job and that's it, you're just the kind of person who's like, look, I don't love my job right now. I could do it, but I would much rather be doing this. Then every time you say no, should be moving the business in a direction where you want it to be going. That's why you're doing this. If you're saying yes a lot or all the time and it's pushing your business in a direction that you're also going to hate, why are you doing this at all? Dude, Just go, I love what? that because it's like because that's a that's a thing like we, we we mentioned this before and other people have mentioned this all the time which is like if you're just in if you're just in business for the money it's gonna fail because the direction your business you want your business to go should not be in the direction of the money well it should be but that's that's an afterthought that's an after effect that happens when you push the business where you want it to go so most people want to get into business one because they want to be able to control their own time and um, they they want to not have a cap on what they can earn but but that second part can't be your sole reason to be in business. So my biggest reason for business is I want to be able and I want to be in control of my own time. I don't want to have to wake up at a specific time. I don't want to have to uh, clock in at a specific time. And when I say yes to things that I shouldn't be or that doesn't push that business in that direction, I now have to do the things that I set to create this out business against. So I now have to wake up at specific times to have weekly meetings with a client at 8 a.m. That That's not how I want to operate. And, uh -huh. but yeah, you, sorry to interject, but like I hadn't, you hadn't illustrated that concept to me before and I like it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I think everybody should think about that though. It's just every time that you say yes or no, just think about, is it moving the business in the direction you want it to be going in? Because especially when you're small, especially when it's early on and you're the one dealing with all the consequences of your direct decisions and choices, you're, you're immediately dealing with the brunt of that later on. Not saying this is great, but I know people will do it because because they get greedy, because they want more of the money. It's well, I can say yes, and then it's not actually my problem because I can just hand it off and then somebody else has to deal with it. So, you know, I'll take the paycheck, they deal with the consequences, and there's not really that much of a immediate impact on me personally as far as the business goes. Now I would argue that there is long-term consequences uh to having your team be unhappy to having to deal with turnover to you know that sort of thing but it's not even general. just your team being unhappy it's also like um negative reputation on your business like mm -hmm. if 
if I mean, if, if you're confident in handing handing off something that your agency or your business doesn't handle typically to people that aren't you, that don't have skin in the game, that don't have skin in your business, then I, I don't know what to say to that. I've, you're just stupid because... <laughs> <laughs> They're not gonna. They're not gonna deliver at the quality you you delivered when you it was just you because mm-hmm. they don't care. They they have yeah. a they have a paycheck and and that's it. And and you can make the argument that yeah, like you you hire team members who do care and do and do care about the company culture, which is a topic in its own in its own. But you have to assume that nobody cares about the growth of the business if they don't have equity. So yeah, yeah, I think you build people up as much as you can and you give them as much autonomy as you reasonably can and build confidence in them and hope that they want to take on as much personal responsibility and ownership as they can and that that's always the goal. But then the flip side too is that even even if you build a business that's not a personal brand, you consider yourself disassociated with your business in that you your name is separate from it. It's unavoidable that it will be personal on some level and that it will be some reflection of you. Uh, And that's why I joke all the time about shame and dishonor with the minions and even myself. Like I'll just send out any, anytime I do something disappointing, I just, I'll say like shame, shame and dishonor on me. And then I'll, I'll push it on to somebody else too, if they mess up jokingly, of course, but (laughs) it's only a half joke because I, I feel it and I want other people to feel it. And, and that's because uh, our work is a reflection of us and there's no, no way to avoid it. Even if we try to disassociate because the cut, you know, the clients, the customers will always come back and be like, well, you're the one doing it. Right. So, yeah. So this is you. Yeah. At some point, like when you first start out, it, I mean, everything you do is a reflection of you personally. Um, as you get bigger, everything your company do does is a reflection of your company. So when you have more hands in the pot, you have more things to go wrong. And if you uh, aren't able to say no to things that don't have processes where you have a lot more control over what can and can't go wrong, then it's just going to um, explode for as as far as you know the problems that you're going to have yeah i think some people are probably scared that saying no is like the worst thing that they can do or the worst thing that can happen to them i'm like <laughs> there's a lot worse i i have so i i'll tell you my irrational fear with saying no uh when we first started so like you know february 2021 when we just had like a ton of clients just come in and we just exploded uh my fear of saying no was if we say no to a client who wants to sign with us, or if we say, so we actually had the biggest no that we had was having a limit on how many clients that we onboarded. Uh, I couldn't say no to that because that was something like, Hey, no, we have, we know how to onboard people. Like this isn't an issue. It was saying no simply because of internal resource allocation. And that was a concept that was like not willing to concede because <laughs> it was like, we just need to stretch ourselves thinner. That's all. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't a concept that I like fully grasped until this year uh, when we put like hard restrictions on it. And uh, we had, so we didn't have a wait list in 2021, but we had tons of clients getting mad at us because it was taking way longer to build their site and, and uh, onboard them than it should have been. So the reason my, my fear of saying no came from the idea that if I say no to this person, I lose them forever. They are never coming back to us. And I can't be certain of the uh, influx of leads that we're going to have in the future. So I want to act on this now. And I'm very opportunistic. If I have an opportunity, I'm going to take it. That's just who I am as a person. So if someone's saying, I have money, I want to give this to you. How And, and I'm willing to you know pay for this, the 
services that you're offering and not be, you know, not ask for additional services. How can you say no to that? And and the reason is because the if they really do want to work with you, they can wait. Uh, and this and and this has kind of been the the notion that we've reflected uh, moving forward, which is if clients don't really care about working with you and they can't wait, then they're not going to be a good client anyways. They're just going to be a pain in the ass. Even if they want to work within their restrictions of the services you offer and, and everything, the chances of them staying on is going to be pretty low. So as, as you know, staying on longer than six months. But if they are willing to wait for your services, we haven't lost a single client that we put on a wait list this year. The only thing that we, the only thing that's happened is um, they've either scaled back their ad spend because they're getting too many leads or um, they didn't start marketing services with us. They just got um, onboarded and said, Hey, I'm growing too faster, too much, too fast right now. I need, we're, we're going to put this on hold. Um, and then one time I sold my business. <laughs> oh yeah. One of them sold his business <laughs> so, uh, for, a, like, for a good, cool, I guess. Congrats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that changed for us, uh, beginning of this year was we did start saying, no, we, what, what do we do? We onboarded two people at a time within yeah. our limit. Um, or, yeah, originally it was, no, two. it was two. And then I said, we should do three. I want three. And we didn't even have our processes documented. We were just starting to do it like in March or April. And we just finished, I think this month, right? Early this month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd say onboarding is like 95% solid at this point. The only thing that we're still kind of dealing with is I do a final review and I find things still. So we're not yet to the point of, of me being completely out so that our minions can be entirely uh, self-sufficient throughout the process. But we're getting close to that point too. And that's, that's our dream, right? Is that Jake and I get to the point where Jake signs someone, I send an invoice. I mean, well, ideally even I get to a point where I'm not sending an invoice, but <laughs> then they build it. They build the whole thing. Uh, and then, yeah, we're good to go. But that's that's something that even even if your processes are amazing, there's still only so much that that can do. And you, you will always have to have at least a little bit of nurturing and crafting um, new people anyway to, to get to a point where they can do it by themselves. But I, I wanted to bring this up too because it was a good point that you said, I just did something like this where uh, I've got a jacket that uh, I want some work done on and I was going to do it myself, but my life sucks and I have no time now. So uh, I'm not going to, I know realistically that it would be like three years before I actually got to doing it. So I was talking to Jenny about it and I was like, Hey, like do this. She's like, well, you could talk to Morgan who is her friend and she's done <clears throat> one thing, uh, one or two, uh, some like tailoring before for me. And I was like, yes, yes. 1 billion times. Yes, absolutely. And I just messaged her and, and basically said something to the effect of, I don't care how long this takes. I don't really care how much it costs. <laughs> it's either I want you to do it or I will do it in three years from now myself, because I don't really trust anybody else to do it. Um, and that's all there is to that. So I think if you can get a point to a point where you build that level of trust with people too, of <clears throat> I don't trust anybody else enough to, to, to do this. I only trust you guys. Uh, and I don't care. Uh, I understand that you're busy. I understand that these things take time or, 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 or I understand that you're busy. Here's more money on top of what you already charge. I don't care. Do it faster. Right? Like I do that. I offer that a lot. Um, if it's, if it's really important, um, just be respectful. Cause I understand too. And of course, some of them are just such nice, polite people. They're like, ah, I can't do that. You know, I can't accept more money just to go to the front of the line. I'm like, this is how the market's supposed to work, but I respect that you're a nice human. So fine. But yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I get similar, um, similar notions like that. Like if I, if I want someone to do something and I trust them the way they do it, 
and I say, no, I just want you to work on this. I'll, I'll wait. Uh, I'll be put on a waiting list. We, I mean, earlier this year, we had clients that were, we had like a four month long waiting list. Like clients oh. would sign on the, you know, in February, be like, Hey, um, you know, just so you know, we only accept three clients at a time. This is because we, we value the timeliness of our onboarding period, which is about 30 days. And, you know, we don't want to set expectations and then just not meet them. So, uh, we do have a wait list and unfortunately the wait list is, I think at the time it was like pushed out to June. So mm-hmm. it was like four months out and some, some people were like, Oh my gosh, like that long. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, I know I, it, it killed me to say it initially when we had this wait list, but then some people were like, all right, well put me on it. And I say, okay, 50% of the onboarding cost is due to secure your spot. And you know, it's non-refundable. Uh, so, uh, a lot of the times they did it. And I was just like, wow, they really want to work with us. But if they don't really want to work with you, then they're not going to wait that long. And they'll go find somebody else, and that's fine. We'll see you next year when your results suck. <laughs> yeah. There's also, I mean, the the other scenario that people play out is I charge more. That way we can move, you know, we don't have to take on as many accounts, but we'll make more money. And then I think that when you do that, sometimes you deal with the situation of I paid this much for this and it wasn't that good. So yeah, there's just kind of pick your path and see how you're going to play it out and what you feel good with. Yeah, that'll hurt your ego a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we've only had a couple of times where clients were like, we're, we have our template site and like our, our templates are like template sites, I should say. And uh, that's how we can, that's how we can build like 11 pages websites relatively quick. So 30 days is relatively quick. Sometimes you're looking at like four, four to six months to produce a website that's totally custom, but ours are built off of templates. So we customize the content and the images and all the links and everything like that. But we've had a couple of clients who are bigger, a couple million in revenue. They'd come to us and say, your guys are just stuff just looks very cookie cutter. I'm like, oh, hurtful. And then we have a, <laughs> we have other clients who are like, this site looks amazing. And I'm like, it, it's good. It's just, I don't know if it's amazing, but it's good. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's the couple that are like, you're, they're just like really templated. And I'm like, all right. So we're building, we're building a custom website right now and it slaps and it kicks ass. But I, <laughs> I feel like every custom website we build always looks so good. Mm. And, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they pay for it too. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's some of them understand that. I think, I don't know. There's, there's such a variety in this industry of expectations and prices and whatnot too. But I mean, it's very easy to go to people who are like, I want a custom 3K website. I'm like, okay, buddy, mm-hmm. go find it. Our last custom website, we charge about 7K for it. And because typically our onboarding costs is it starts 2,500. And then for the template sites, I think you can go up to like, I mean, I think the highest. One that we've done from the template site is like 5K, just shy of that. But a custom site, I think we charge 7K for it. And we, I mean, are just looking at our labor hours and click up and we're already at like 90 hours. So like it, it should have been minimum 9K already. And we haven't even gotten to the ads campaign yet. So yeah. And we kind of knew. I mean, that's, that's a risky take when you are looking at larger projects uh, that you're growing into more frequently. Is just okay. Well, we might mess up a little bit, and then we'll we'll readjust and figure it out later. Yeah, but. I'm just glad we didn't charge like our template rates though. Like when we started uh-huh. doing custom sites, as we I mean we didn't get burned on our first custom site. We knew we were in for some work, but we were able to charge a lot more for our next custom site. 
and we're still kind of undercharging for what we're putting into labor. So mm-hmm. being able to come back to the prospect and say, yeah, if you want a custom site, it's going to be this. And then you, then you play the game of being like, okay, well, is it going to be worth it to them? Like the actual visual finished product, is it going to be worth 10K? And that's something that we struggle with internally because we're not a design agency. Marketing agency first, design second. So hopefully we can hire someone relatively soon that has a lot of website design experience that we can come back to and say, yes, we're confident we can build you a nice looking custom website that meets all your needs. It's also 15K. It meets your ego, most likely, because that's usually (laughs) what it comes down to with design is they're like, I want it to look like this. I'm like, is it worth that much money? Do you think that how it looks is going to give you the the numbers that you want in return? But some people, once you get big enough in business, you just don't care as necessarily as much about the direct money costs. And you just start thinking uh, emotionally more. But mm-hmm. yeah, but you can do that because you got FU money. So there's going to be a point where we come to our podcast episodes where we just start swearing and just like, you know, like, ah, we're too easy to cut that out. I'm too, <laughs> too busy cutting out Cody's... Uh, and <clears throat> <laughs> have i gotten better or is it still bad no your clicking is good your throat clearing sucks yeah that's just because i died this week that's, oh, that, yeah yeah so anyway well i think that's everything we had to say on saying no um you know make sure to say no when you get to a good point in your business where you actually want to steer it it when saying no steers it in the direction that you want it to go uh, but you can't really say no in the beginning. You've got you've to say yes to things that you don't want to necessarily do or that you're not confident with. But be open about that. Make sure you let, you let the client know like, hey, I can do this. But just so you know, this isn't my forte. So, uh, you know, we're going to be doing some learning together. And they're going to respect you 10 times more than you pitching your service as if you're very good at this. And then you just flop. Yep. All right. Do you have anything else? Nah, that's all I got. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, We'll see you next week. See ya.